Well, welcome everyone. Uh, thank you for listening to the uh, and watching the Religion Unplugged uh, podcast, where we try to keep you uh, plugged in to all the best religion news and culture. I am here today, your host, uh, Joseph Holmes, um, film critic and podcast host of the other podcast, The Overthinkers. And with us today, we have a very special guest. He is a filmmaker and a co-director of the new film, uh, The Jesus Revolution. He is, uh, I hope I'm getting this right, Brent McCorkle. Is that correct? That's your name? That's correct. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, good well, to be here, man. Good to have you here. Thanks, um, man. So uh, first, I just wanted to ask you, um, could you tell us a little bit about the Jesus Revolution um, movie, the story, the movie, uh, if you're trying to uh, introducing that to people and um, uh, what attracted you to getting involved in that, uh, telling that story? Yeah. So the other director, John Irwin, was, we were on another movie together and he discovered this Time magazine article that had this psychedelic Jesus on it. And it just said Jesus Revolution. He's like, what is this about? And he knew there was a little bit of a an evangelical awakening that happened in like 69 and 70, but he didn't know that much about it. Well, he got on Time Magazine's archives and it's not digitally archived anywhere. So he ended up ordering a collector's edition copy off eBay for like 150 bucks. But when he read the article, it was pretty compelling, man. And the, the general story is this. Um, uh, it, it was a similar time in American history today. Like you had all the strife, all the divisions, all the hate, all the judgment. You had people definitely picking ideological sides in a culture war. So you had um, the Vietnam War. You had the Cuban Missile Crisis. You had multiple assassinations, JFK, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King. Uh, you had uh, obviously the Cold War completely like brewing uh, and all this terrible stuff. You had all of the, you know, the racial... Um, uh, disquieting things happening in, in the country, uh, you know, Martin Luther King, uh, and all of that. And, and it was, um, it was a tough time. It was really a time of radical division and a lot of, uh, a ton of anger, a ton of unrest. And on top of that, man, you had modernism kind of at its apogee and you had these kids looking at this stuff of, you know, this kind of plasticity of their parents' materialism and their little picket fences in their house and their mortgage. And the kids were just looking at, their parents way of being and saying, I don't really want this. And so mm -hmm. you had a ton of runaways, you had the hippie movement, you had the countercultural movement, you had, you know, free love and the sexual revolution and all this stuff happening. A lot of it was really great because people uh, were saying, yeah, we just don't want to live like this. And I think we find ourselves in a, a similar time today. Um, I think we live in a time of ongoing hatred uh, of judgment on all sides of the political spectrum. Mm -hmm. Uh, everyone trying to cancel each other, you know, it's <laughs> like, it's like we'd rather cancel someone that's our political combatant or a political enemy than have a conversation. And I think that's really sad. And I think a lot of people are waking up to the fact that this isn't really the America that we want to live in. It's not the one I want to live in for sure. So, the idea was, oh, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool just to kind of drop a camera back into 1969 and see a time in the Christian faith where these two disparate groups actually came together and found a way to love each other, uh, found a way to create a safe space of love, acceptance and forgiveness, belonging, compassion, mm -hmm. empathy. A lot of the actual core tenets of the Christian religion that it seems have taken a back seat in this time of hatred, you know? Mm. So it's a really sweet, loving movie. And it kind of reminds me of like a Muppet movie or something. You find yourself <sighs> smiling a lot through it and just enjoying it and laughing a lot. And, um, and so I, I really do hope that, um, it's a, it's a, a call back to, uh, a time that was, uh, inclusive and loving and these conservative, very starchy uh, white people <laughs> decide to like open up their church to these really, you know, strange, bizarre, almost like alien humans that they had nothing in common with, it seemed. And so under the banner of Christian love, you know, these two groups were able to come together and it really sparked something really huge. Um, uh, now, in our movie, we're only with them for two years. And so, you know, what it became over time we just kind of see a revolution of it back to, a, you know, another time where we're in political hatred and, mm. and discord again. And so it might, it would be so great if the church would see this, 
but also the culture at large and say, man, we need a reset. We need a reset culturally. And wouldn't mm-hmm. it be great to like start that reset based on, on love and acceptance mm-hmm. and belong. So, so yeah, so it was really John's discovery of that article, uh, of that psychedelic Jesus on the time cover in 1971 that that kicked it off which is really fascinating because if you bookend it with time in 1968 their cover was this black cover it just said is god dead so you have this four year period on time where this crazy continuum you know curve happened and in the middle of all that was the jesus movement that was really uh precipitated by some events in southern california which is where our movie takes place Okay, so uh, backing up a little bit, tell us a little bit about your filmmaking journey, getting started and getting involved in, you know, the Christian film uh, world, Christian film royalty. I'm working on, you know, uh, the Kingdom Storybook (laughs) Company is kind of the 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 biggest, you know, uh, Christian film studio kind of in the world right now, I I think is is easy to say. Um, How did what got you to love movies and why you tell the stories, but particularly telling stories within this Christian framework yeah no it's really interesting uh it's really interesting to ask that i hope i don't offend anyone but no i was a, um I'm, I'm a pastor's kid i same just, okay top. cool yeah right on yeah <laughs> yeah Digital exactly. high five. yeah so um i had my own i had my own journey um i i got to a place i think where a lot of people did where i i didn't know if i could be any sort of christian anymore mm. I'm definitely a weird Christian that a lot of people are like, are you though? You know, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, we have these conversations a lot, but um, I, I just started hitting to hitting these cultural walls. I'm like, man, if this is Christianity, I'm out, like mm. pull my parachute, pull the ripcord, get me out of here. But the more I kind of brushed all that away and got back to the essence of what Jesus was doing, I mean, he was doing some really radical things in his mm. time in, um, and, we, we lose a lot of that nuance now because it got translated to Greek and now, you know, now we're in the West, but we don't really understand Jewish thought. But man, a lot of the stuff he was doing was social pariah, like even talking mm-hmm. to the woman. Well, I mean, like, you know, right. I think there are things you could be stoned for. Even the, even the parable of um, the prodigal son in that culture, that kid would have been stoned. He would have disgraced his father and would stone him to death. But instead he's like, Hey, I love you, man. Mm-hmm. You're, you're dated. So he was like, when it says he was a stumbling block to the Jews, he was just saying a bunch of stuff that people were like, uh, no, dude, you can't say that. You know? So I love, I love that kind of radical essence of Christ that he really was trying to bring people back towards love. And he said stuff that you can't live up to. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I've only met four people in my entire life that have actually learned to love their enemy. So mm-hmm. how many real Christians are there anyway? You know, it's kind of my question, but, um, so he threw down the gauntlet in some really cool ways, but yeah, I, I got to a place where I was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, but I just want to approach my faith like a child, almost like a five-year-old. I, I read the <laughs> Bible when I was, not when I was five, I'm not a prodigy. I know I read it when I was 18. Uh, <laughs> I read go. the Bible all the way through when I was 18. And, um, and, uh, you know, so I know it and I was raised that I went to church like five times a week through most of my, you know, childhood and adolescence. And so I'm no stranger to all of it, but I do feel like uh, in the West with the, with the consumerism and the capitalism and just the way that we think it's, hmm. um, I think in a lot of ways, uh, it needs to go back to formula. It needs to go back to like the basics. And that's what I've tried to do. I'll take back to the five-year-old version of the thing. And really, and like, when I look at the five-year-old version of it, it's, uh, love, compassion, acceptance, forgiveness, belonging, hmm. Uh, and so those are those are the tenets of Christianity that I take forward with me, and you can see a lot of it showing up in my parts of the film, you know, that I sure. worked on. But um, but yeah, I was uh, raised in the church. It's really cool. Like I always tell people, if you look at American Idol or mm-hmm. America's Got Talent, a ton of those kids came from the church because they right. got their ten thousand hours in in a real safe space where they're nurtured and encouraged, and you could really suck. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. matter. You get to, you get to show up in church again the next week and do it again, and so. I really do appreciate that about the church. So yeah, I was a little artist kid raised in the church and allowed to suck and slowly develop some chops. So I was a musician in the church. I played piano and sang. I did a lot of drama. I was a worship leader for decades. And I think that that sort of set me on a path and really unlocked the artistic core that I had in me. But it wasn't until late life. I was married. 
I was in a drift artist. I, I switched majors five times. I was really lost. Um, but yeah, late in life, like my late twenties, like, man, I think I really, I think I really want to pursue filmmaking. So I was in Dallas at the time and there was nobody making feature films. And so I went to SMU cause they had a film program. I took a bunch of film classes and I just launched out, um, quit my job at the church that I was working at at the time and launched out and started working on crew and shooting things when I could. Mm. But the funnest part of my journey was I would take a camera that usually I beg borrowed or stole because i was poor um but i would take a camera and run out in the woods with my friends and we would shoot dumb little horror films or sci-fi nice. fantasies and i would grab my kids because they were free actors and so all my kids have been in my movies i have five kids and some of my friends from church which are actually they were actually brilliant actors um so we just formed this little co-op of of friends and and uh i started competing in short film festivals and some of my films were just crap but then some of them were good and i would continue to get better and i i started placing in film festivals and winning some of them and win winning best in show so fast forward to a friend of mine called me saying hey steven spielberg is uh looking for the next great filmmaker and he's doing a he's doing a tv show like an american oh, wow. idol mark burnett and i was like what no he's not i didn't believe it i literally <laughs> yeah. i thought they were wrong and then a second person called me. I was like, well, I better look into this. So I submitted, I got in, I made it really far. I was like in the top 20 on that show. It was called On the Lot in 2007. Mm -hmm. But what my journey has been a systematic uh, series of failures, like just following mm -hmm. my feet. But when I get back up, it's like I tripped forward and I made it a few more yards down the- well, That's a good the metaphor. Good, good, nice picture. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like- um, and if you do that enough, you get a first down and get to try again, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, it's definitely been like that in my career, but so I failed, I got kicked off the show. I got iced. Um, and, but when I got home, I had made a short film right. for that show that never saw the light of day. And they let me have the rights to it, which was so kind of them. And, uh, I took that little short film to Sundance, got a rejection letter. It was like the worst rejection letter of my life because it was like $75. <laughs> and I was yeah, so broke yeah. about it like hey thanks for the 75 dollars. no you can't get in you know so that was tough but then the next thing i entered in i won finals and they let me make another short film for the final round where they actually gave me a budget wow and the there were some producers sitting in the audience that saw my film that thought i would be a great voice for a movie that they were trying to do uh it was a low budget like two and a half million dollars sure. but they they said hey man we think you got the chops. You've been doing shorts forever. We'd like to give you a shot. So that was my, that was my first shot at a feature film in 2012. And, uh, so that kind of put me on the map and uh, I right. did really good Netflix. And from there, I really have done a lot with John and Andy. Now I, I wouldn't be honest on the podcast if I didn't say I was really dragged kicking and screaming into faith, um, into the faith, uh, faith based film. Film, yeah. yeah, I really have a struggle with it. I think, um, I think, again, a lot of the stuff that's happening in our culture, and it's not right or wrong, I'm just observing it, but like, I think sometimes the Christian knee-jerk reaction to culture is to silo things, and so yeah. you get CCM, and you get Christian movies, and you have like yeah. megachurch pastors that want to create Christian amusement parks where only Christians right. sell, or Christian malls, or Christian bookstores, or whatever, and um, so I struggle with all that, and, and I, I don't, it's a grapple for me, and I don't really, I don't, I guess I don't throw it out or dismiss it out of hand, but it really was a wrestle for me because I do have core values and themes that spin in my heart of like love and redemption. Yeah. But I think a lot of, of Christian thought, like again, at the 30,000 foot level or the, mm -hmm. the childlike level, what I'm talking about, a lot of that can be explored in mainstream right. genre of making. So that's what I was hoping to do. I was hoping to do more of like an M night Shyamalan type thing where you're right. exploring deep themes, but using Hollywood high concept. Um, but I, a lot of this has been a spiritual process for me of like letting go. Like we're all in a, we're all in plus five rapids. And at some point we're going to go over the waterfall. Right. And like what you do with your paddle, you can probably do a little bit with that, but I was trying to right. do too much, try to control it. So the moment I kind of started relaxing and letting go, um, you know, better things started happening for me. So yeah, I've been in a support role with John and Andy Irwin on five of their movies. Um, nice. I've, 
gotten to compose on a lot of things. That's actually one of the favorite things that I do. I'm, I'm a definitely a Swiss army knife, uh, in <laughs> filming. I, I do like everything really. I've, I've worked in every department and, and held every position. And, um, and that's not really a brag. It was more of like a survival instinct because, oh, yeah. um, a Swiss army knife is actually, it's cool. Cause it's a bunch of tools in one, but it's really, they're really not, it, it's not their best knife. It's not right, the best right, one. Right. It's, 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 okay. it's master of all is a, a jack of all trades master of none a little bit yes correct yeah and then everybody always introduces me as a jack of all trades to like honor me but i'm like i always finish that because yeah. it really is true <laughs> yeah. so i hope that the synergy of all the hats yeah. that i wear like maybe amount to something cooler uh like if i could use a, a swiss army knife to get out of an escape room or something right yes exactly <laughs> So, so this is interesting. So I, you know, there's a lot, you're, you're listed as co-director on this movie. Uh, typically yeah. John Irwin does, you know, his co-directing with his brother, this one, you are co-directing with him. And, you know, there's a lot of famous, you know, co-directing duos. I mean, there's, you know, the Wachowskis, there's the Russo brothers, um, and everybody has their own kind of process of collaboration. So I was wondering, it's like, what does that collaboration process look like for you? Are there, you know, things that you guys kind of your lanes of things that you're kind of specialized in, or do you kind of tag team things? What does that look like and how, how, how for you guys, or at least on we your side? Both. Yeah, we did both. I appreciate the question. We did both. John comes from the director of photography world. He's very technical, sure. yeah. um, but I actually find him very good with actors, especially if we get stuck in a scene, um, he'll come up with some really good things. I, I love it all. Uh, the hardest part for me in this movie was taking a backseat on the shots because I'm I'm all about my <laughs> shot and shot flow and like how I want the emotion to work as we as we move through these shots. And so it's John Irwin who's a DP, and we actually right. had a very talented DP. So I was definitely a third wheel. I got maybe <laughs> five shots in this movie, and they're really great. You know, I'd go through and go, guys, that's the shot, and they'd be like, oh man, you're right. You know, so but that was yeah. few and far between. It was it was John and. Uh, Akis, uh, who is uh, an, incre an incredible director of photography. So it was those guys um, gotcha. uh, like working on the shots. And I, I worked with the actors more. I, okay. um, I prepped the film. I was in charge of hiring the keys. Um, and we found an amazing production designer out of Atlanta. She just is mm. like <clears throat> one of the most talented human beings I've ever worked with, Amy Holmberg. And I really found that the photography and Amy's work really complimented each other we got great mise-en-scene like some of the best mise-en-scene oh, yeah. i've ever i've ever had in my stuff and so uh so yeah we did have some division of labor there so he focused more on the shots and um i would watch monitor a lot sure. um because he's out with the camera and so it was great because sometimes i even wall off from set so i would go out and adjust the actors i'd go back and watch monitor and just actually watch what the movie was and it was yeah. amazing <laughs> every shot that would lay down i'd be like wow Okay, I think we have something special here. So yeah, no, I'll say yeah, I'll say this. Oh, oh. sorry, good. No, no, go ahead. Okay. I'll say this as as a viewer, two things that that really loved in this movie I thought were excellent. One is yes, the shots, which I thought were I think that you know they which were very spiritual. I actually found because you know it, it there was this sense of transcendence with a lot of them, but it was also very personal and intimate. And so I thought that like a lot of that, you guys, and you were trying, that's sort of what you're trying to say. You're talking about trying to describe God that way. And so I thought you actually got that across visually. So you know, good on you about that. Um, uh, I'll also say to your point of the actors, you know, you have an amazing cast here that you actually were able to really get a lot of really great performances out of. So like a lot, again, a lot of people know, I mean, you have it maybe like one of the coolest kind of cast ensemble cast of a Christian film that I've seen. You've got obviously Kelsey Grammer, you know, uh, from Frasier show and, and other things. And of course you have the, the new golden child of the uh, actor of the, uh, the Christian uh, film uh, world is a Jonathan Rumi playing yeah. a, a similar but very different role um, in. Uh, so the, uh, for people who don't know, Kelsey Grammer plays Chuck Smith, who's the, as you described, the more uptight conservative pastor of a, uh -huh. a church. And and then you have Jonathan Rumi, who plays um Lonnie Frisbee, who's the very, who's the hippie preacher who comes in there and and their friendship, aside from um Greg Laurie, the young protagonist, their kind of friendship is the the heart of the of the movie. So I guess I'll ask you sort of like, how, what were you involved in the process of like 
uh, casting those actors and what was it like to work with them? Yeah, that was another great division of labor. So, so Kevin Downs, our main producer, he's really plugged in on the casting level. And man, you mm. really have to, you've got to go out to these managers and really make the case for things. And um, so you have two ways that you get your cast. One is you're like, I want this person. Let's talk to their people, find out how much money they're going to try to charge and see if we can even do it. See if they're interested, send them yeah. the scripts. So we had maybe four or five of our top tier like that. Just these are the guys. Can we get them? And without fail, we got the people that we wanted. So those wow. would have, those would have been uh, Kelsey Grammer, Jonathan Rumi, Devon Franklin, hmm. Kimberly Paisley, and one other that I'm leaving out right now. Um, I'll think of them in a second. But then the rest is cast me and casting directors. So John and and Kevin handled the yeah. offers only. Yeah. <clears throat> then I got with some amazing casting directors. I had. I had some incredible directors, uh, casting directors in LA. And then I, I was a fussy baby and I was like, all right, listen, here's what happens on these medium tier films. We get great cast out of LA and then nobody thinks about the rest of the cast. I was like, I want a killer casting director yeah. that we get the rest. So I had Mark Finkannon out of Atlanta and he's like world renowned casting director. And he agreed to just help me fill in. And, uh, man, I was just, it was like an incredible casting process and everybody we picked, I kept waiting for the shoe to drop. It's just everybody be like, yeah, I'll do it. Or that's them. Yeah. They're available. You know, like we just got everyone with wow. hardly any, any hiccups. If there were hiccups, I don't recall them right now. And, uh, they were very minimal. It didn't affect casting hardly at all. So, so yeah, John and Kevin were kind of in charge of getting the, the high level, yeah. you know, the free offer only is what we call. Right. Yeah. And then, then they tasked me with casting the rest of the movie. So I got to cast, I don't know, 90% of this movie with casting. Oh, wow. it's, it's a great, it's a great cast. It's a good, so, yeah, uh, was, at every it level. Fun. It's a great job. Oh, Joel Corton. That's who I missed. Yeah. Yeah. Great. 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 He was attached uh, from the beginning. Uh, and yeah, he, he was, his stuff was really good. Um, and he's just a wonderful human being. They all are, dude. I'd love to this cast. I, so I what was it like working with these people? <laughs> um, I would encourage everybody to look Kelsey up. He's had a really hard life. He's had a lot of terrible things happen to him and his family. And uh, man, that guy just exuded peace. And mm. I would try to get around him and spend more time with him. I've called him, asked him for spiritual advice because I can tell he's further up the mountain than me. Mm. He carries more peace than me on a daily basis. And he's actually had a lot worse things happen to him in his mm. life. I'm looking up to him in a major way, but, uh, but man, he was just... He was a force, man. Like all that grass toss, you know, and he's real yeah. tall. And so he just has this, when he walks on set, I was like, whoa, you know, he's just got a presence. But on top of that, man, he's just super, super humble. And uh, John always brags on him. But like anytime we would adjust or need to change anything, he would be like, yeah, boss. You know, he, he would, he's just very, very humble, just unassuming. And, mm. uh, and, Jonathan Romy, man, he's, he was very committed to, to the role, very committed to Lonnie and like really cared about how we portrayed Lonnie and, um, and all that. And so it was a, it was a cool, cool thing happening. And, um, uh, I would, Joel worked, worked his tail off. Anna Grace Barlow, who played Kathy was an incredible actress. Uh, Ali Ionides as the pastor's kid, which they let me do some rewriting on that because I was like, Hey, Hey, I, I've lived this. I am her. Mm. Will you let me write her? And like, and so they let me arc her and Chuck's wife a little bit more too. Like I, and you know, I wanted a strong, I wanted a strong sense of arcing, especially with the female characters. Mm -hmm. And so they let work on those a little bit. And, um, Charlie Patton, who played Connie, Lonnie's wife, uh, yeah. Nick Bishop, Jolie Jenkins. I mean, just amazing, amazing cast uh, an amazing crew honestly i mean um it was the best crew i had ever ever had and i i understand where the auteur theory came from but i think it's overused and it's abused mm. and so uh, i won't name any any directors but the loud outspoken directors that take credit for everything and it's sure. like their vision or whatever i just i just think it's bullcrap um mm. It's like them saying they sailed this giant pirate ship across. It made like an intercontinental transit in a 400 crew 
pirate sure, ship. Yeah. No, 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 you didn't. I'm sorry. Yeah. You can say you did, but you didn't. You had a bunch of crew like busting their butt to make sure the ship got across. Now, were you at the helm on the wheel and all that? Yeah. And and someone has to be the ultimate decision maker. Sure. But auteur theory basically says you did it on your own. And I don't, I don't espouse those views. I'm very much like a blue collar. Sure. I, feel, I feel like we all did it together and we made it, you know, we made it. So, um, so yeah, it was just the best band of pirates I've ever gotten to, to sail with, you know, that's awesome. This, yeah. Yeah. No film is one of those. It's one of the most irreductibly um, collaborative art forms uh, that exists. It's, it's, yep. you can't have a film without multiple uh, art forms all working together and all, if one of them isn't working well, it doesn't, it doesn't work. So that's, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and what happens when you're clashing with an actor, they're, they're completely reading the, the text right. differently. Then you have to strike a compromise because it can't, you don't, I mean, uh, it's so cool, man. One of my friends is an executive producer for Sam Raimi. And he's like, he goes, one thing Sam has taught me, he's like, the director must be skilled first and foremost in the art of compromise. And mm. I love that saying. I've taken that with me everywhere because you don't have to get your way. As a matter of fact, you shouldn't get your way because you're all in it together and mm. compromises need to be made. And, and oftentimes when you capitulate and you compromise, like someone else's idea is better anyway. Because <laughs> like, I think, I think a director's, I, I think a director's um, biggest mandate on set is to kind of cipher and funnel through all the ideas and pick mm. the one they feel is best and it may not be yours yeah so mm. makes a lot of sense now yeah. one of the things i mean you know i think you talked sort of about the traction of the um of the story um partly being its parallels to today and the um and you know had divided time now a divided time then we have a young generation that's disillusioned with the religion and the establishment and leaving the faith um because of it and this idea that um you know some of the things that they did then we can do now and perhaps have the kind of um you know success that they had then now in terms of um you know in in terms of bring a kind of revival back um and that's i've seen that in the you know marketing and interviews and 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 such and i went to a, a pre-screening with a with other christian influencers and that was sort of what people were taking away from it my my problem with that narrative is that i mean there are a couple, couple of things one is that there was no um revival that happened based on it worthy of the word you know there's you know you if you look at the rates of religious attendance or people who are christians identifying as christians it went down in the 1960s it may have sort of gone down slower in the 70s but then you know it just kept going down there is you know no even if you say well it wasn't the fault of this you know movement uh that it kept going down it certainly didn't do anything to visibly reverse the trend um and so it's the idea that recreating what they did then is the answer um is is a bit dodgy also because you know you have the question of you know even if that what did work back then what you know what it would look like to recreate it now uh doesn't it, it's there's not there's a what do you call it it's not obvious that doing the same thing now would would work because, you know, uh, you know, again, it's not like people, you know, uh, uh, we're 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 it's not like um we have a lack of places where you can, you know, do uh, creative, you know, Christian rock concert kind of uh, services or let people in without shoes is the the quite the issue when people are saying we need to be more welcoming and accepting to various different groups um typically what they're ta talking about is in terms of gender identity or sexuality um or you know and you know the problem or 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 women you know with elevating women to positions places like that which is all well and good the problem is those denominations that are doing that are the ones that are shrinking numbers faster um so it doesn't seem like that's the you know key thing that's holding people back now you could be saying racially um 
uh, which would be interesting. Like the people have made that argument that being more welcoming to, you know, more racial groups is, is, is important, which I think it is. Um, but that doesn't, you know, isn't a part of the movie that the story we're telling it's, you know, the movie is wider than snow aside, aside from the, uh, the, the reporter. Um, so I guess, you know, it, it's, it's difficult for me to see this as an inspirational model um, for today, as the movie is sort of trying to pitch it for those reasons. What what would I guess your response be to that? What am I missing sort of about the message that you're doing or what I see as the problems with it? What, how would you push back on that to a, a skeptical kind of um, viewer like myself? Yeah, I guess I guess I'd ask you one more question before I answer. What do you think a revival would look like? today I th- like I th- you- well i don't know i mean that's something that i'm i'm kind of i'm cer- searching and seeking for i certainly think that one um one uh aspect of what a revival would look like would be um uh numbers going back up rather than down numbers going up of tr- in terms of committed uh christians um who um are buying into Christianity, regularly attending church, regularly both claiming and acting out the beliefs um, of it. And um, we don't we don't see that right now. We see, you know, the numbers going down of people professing and practicing the faith. Um, But we didn't see back then with the Jesus Revolution, a turning back of people uh, professing and practicing the faith. So that's, I suppose, that's suppose what I would look like to me. Um, I don't know how we get there, you know, um, but it seems like the answer that this is giving, I'm not seeing the evidence that it worked then or would work now. Gotcha. No, those are all great points, man. And, and heard and, and noted, duly noted. I actually agree with a lot of what you're saying. Um, I'm a mystic. Um, hmm. So like uh, for me, I just want the world to feel a different way than it does. Mm. And so um, I, I think there's a couple things that are happening and, and obviously it's the secularization and like the more that we understand about the science and like sure. the, uh, I mean, even figuring out that the entire universe doesn't revolve around the earth. People, sure. people it blew people's minds. People started killing each other. They throw people in prison. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. killed yeah. science saying, no, I don't think the earth, is a center of, you know, so as we learn more about science and our universe and the scientific world is opening up more portals and mysteries, um, I think it is kind of cleaning people's clocks, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, on a faith level. Um, that doesn't fully discourage me um, from it. But like, I guess the big thing I want to get out of it and what I've, I kind of have a different take than what a lot of people say around the film, but like it all, I, I feel like the biggest thing this movie can do is call the church back to love. And Mm. um, we're in a a time right now where we just, we need a love revival. And I don't think that necessarily, I don't think that means I need people to go to an evangelical church or anything like that. I just feel like that God is love. And I know that's kind of a, a, um, you know, a lofty kind of artisty thing to say, but if if the shoe fits, you know, right, right. (laughs) But, you know, it's just really cool to hear some of the stories, uh, uh, you know, me and John and Andy, one thing we're completely aligned on is we just hire the best artists and the oh, best yeah. people for the position. So I don't care if you're painted orange or, or you walk on your hands. I don't care. Like, whatever, just come work on this movie. I don't, I, I don't, you don't have to be in some sort of evangelical club to come work on this Thank movie. God. It makes the movie yeah. better. Yeah. Well, it show, right. Cause it's the best people in every seat on the bus and, right. and it shows up in the work. Um, but I will say people were in tears, you know, and mm. not just, not just the Christian people like, man, this is beautiful. Like we show them clips and stuff like, wow, this feels, this feels really beautiful. This might be the most important thing I've ever worked on. So mm. I think like, <clears throat> I think I do believe in the arising force of love Hmm. in the universe and it doesn't fit inside any darwinian metrics for me like there's really Hmm. not a utility for it there might be like a social utility like protecting your dna or like sure sure sure. you know protecting your child you know don't let your kid go over a cliff because you're actually killing yourself because that's your dna so there's like a selfish darwinian thing but it doesn't explain why we grieve so hard when people die or like that. So, 
Wait, you're, am... pull, you're pulling an interstellar on me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, interstellar is my religion. Um, because in all, it never talks about God. And yet there's this, there's this arising force in the universe that makes all of it work. It makes that whole yeah. thing work. The love between a father and a daughter. And I, I wept, man. I, oh, I yeah. wept. That movie brought me to my knees. And like, that is probably one of the greatest church sermons I've ever heard in my entire life. So if this movie can call some people back to love, I think mm -hmm. the revival is, I think it, if there is going to be anything that anybody even says is a revival, and I've said this and frustrated some people, but man, it's got to come back to love. And like, mm -hmm. I really hope this movie calls the entire culture back to love. Sure. So I think there needs to be a conversation about love in the church, but there also needs to be a larger conversation in our culture about love because right now we'd rather scream at somebody in all caps than have a conversation yeah. with them we'd rather try to cancel them than actually listen with curiosity or listen to understand all right i mean that's fair that's 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 a fair that that's a fair um uh response i appreciate i appreciate the the honesty and uh um pushback well, can i, can I oh, say yeah. one more thing now? you can say you can say one more thing yes okay um the other thing that's happened is Religion will naturally decrease when like all of your basic survival needs are met. Like, so mm -hmm. it's like your, your six basic human needs are met. It's like, well, I don't need God. Mm -hmm. So you and I would be having a different conversation, not on a podcast, like around a fire or something, but if like an EMP went off or like a nuke right. went off on our door or something like that, like you start thinking more like eternally. So right now what's out of vogue is, um, uh, just a few more weary days and then I'll fly mm -hmm. away our days are decent, you know, and like, yeah. and the kids are dealing with anxiety, depression, because they're bored, and they're on their phones. And they, you know, they're struggling with identity. I get that I'm, I'm addicted to my phone, too. But if we were living in more dire straits, like if we were living in times where it's sticks and stones, and you never you don't know when the tribe is going to roll in and slaughter everybody and like sure. take your women, children away, you're going to have more of a dialogue an inner dialogue with a higher power or a higher mm. being because you're, you look to your left and your right and you're like, wow, man, this is unstable. I'm going to die. And so sure. I think, I, I literally think like kind of in the West, we've like infantilized ourselves to the point of like not really needing a God or not sure, really yeah. need a, a higher power. Our, at sort. least our needs are, to him are invisible to us. Yeah. So where I find myself being led a lot spiritually um, is uh, my spirit two spiritual mentors in life are both um, alcoholics and they've gone through the 12 step program yeah. and they get to the bottom of it and yeah. they're just completely suffering and they're trying to control all their lives. They get to the bottom of it. It's like, Whoa, man, like I need a higher power right. for this makes sense. And um, I think I've gone through that process in and of myself, but until I think we all get there, I think right now we've, we've, really kind of evolved into this state of self-reliance and it's just mm. a push of a button and you get any content that you want you can microwave your food and like yeah. any domestic situation is solved on television in a 25 minute episode and i think we've literally <clears throat> kind of like numbed ourselves out to this idea that um that uh we are gonna die and um you know you need to think about we do need to be thinking about like what we are, like, what am I? I I'm definitely having a human experience in this existential plane, whatever it is. But I think a lot of people, man, we're so like, there's so many shiny objects around sure, us, you know, yeah. that I think it, it, um, it deters us from having a conversation on top of that, man. I think right, rightfully so, uh, this younger generation should be turned off to a lot of organized religion. I, I definitely, I'm kind of a neo hippie. I, I would have been one of those kids. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, done. I'm done, man. Get me out of this. I can't do it. I think a lot of the kids feel that same way. So I wish kids, I wish kids, especially in youth in this culture could kind of cut through the cultural BS and the mm -hmm. cultural war and all this stuff that divides us and actually look into the stuff that Jesus did because mm -hmm. there was a lot of rad, very radical mm -hmm. things that he did. Uh, they were completely outside of the religious main. Mm -hmm. And I think we find ourselves there one more time. So I'm throwing a lot of different things at you, but I, sure. I definitely, I definitely take no offense at the things that you're saying. I think again, um, I'm a futurist. I love science. Um, I think true religion 
uh, will not be disrupted by any type of science, scientific revelation. Mm -hmm. Like I think wherever, whatever we're in, like we need to be searching for truth and yeah. science trying to uncover truth too. So I'm trying to find that merge of my belief system with what we know to be true and factual. And so, yeah, I just think we live in a time where people just don't feel like they need God. So it makes sense, right? You just send a missionary over to like a third world country where sure. they don't even have clean drinking water. You can see where that type of people group would be more receptive to an idea of like, oh, there's a better place when you die. There's like no suffering. Mm -hmm. You don't have to drink any water because you'll just be filled all the time with this spiritual water. You won't even have, you won't be hungry. You won't be thirsty. And that would be mind blowing, man. If you're holding yeah. a, a kid, you're holding a kid as they're dying because they're dying of hunger. That would be very comforting to them. But like, I don't, in the West, man, we've, we're so spoiled and like, we don't have to think about that. And so, um, my, my gut feeling on your question is if we got nuked and we got sent back to the stone age, I think mm -hmm. there would be a resurgence of, of belief. Sure. <laughs> so, so yeah, man, sorry. I kind of, uh, I kind no, of no, left no. it. I kind of went in a very circuitous pattern to answer your question. That's fair. No, that's totally fair. I guess. <laughs> so, you know, my, um, I have, I have a sort of follow-up question and then two final questions, if that's okay. Sure. Of course. We have time. All right, cool. So the follow-up question is, so on the religious front, that's sort of one thing to say, but you also, a lot of your focus is on the coming together in love um, uh, and uh, a lack of division. But even that, you know, I don't know. It didn't really make there wasn't very much lasting uh, in that regard either in the you know, there's like, yeah, you you know, again, the divisiveness may have had a like a, a bit of a, uh, a a flat line for a little bit. And then it just went right back again uh, and increased divisiveness. So even sort of in that score, you know, is there something they did wrong that that made it so that there was could, that the revival of of unity didn't last? Um, and if so, it might be good for us to know what that wrong thing is so that we don't imitate it uh, today if it did work. But we even the, again, I, I'm sort of skeptical that it had much, you know, effect at all at the time. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point, too. So you you experience this pressure wave and it kind of rises up and then it ebbs back out. And, you right. know, it's a wave. Right. And so what is a way to create? a wave of sustainability as opposed to just a little blip on the timeline. Right. I don't, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. That's the first time someone ever has ever asked me that. I think, um, I think the Jesus movement is really fascinating. I, I think one thing that I felt like we tried to do is show that it is possible. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't disagree with you that it was a waning effect. Um, and it, and you know, you don't really see any, um, leftovers of that other than, um, but, it, but I, well, I would, I would say with the exception of all these really cool, like old Jesus moving hippies that come and find me after the screening, like I was there, man, thank you. You know, I was there sure. and, and crying and, you know, they remember it. So, I mean, those people by and large definitely stayed in the church, but as far as like a, um, a continuous movement that took the church in a super, super positive direction over decades, I, I wouldn't, contend with you on that point um but i do think it showed what is possible with unity um and people don't let me talk about this stuff and it's it's very offensive to some people but i mean if you look if you look back at um united states history the evangelical church largely sat out the civil rights movement mm -hmm. in the 60s they were afraid yeah. to get involved and as a matter of fact billy graham on his deathbed said that was his largest regret in his mm -hmm. life that he didn't mar march with martin luther king mm -hmm. and um and i think conservatives you know the 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 uh, in in the church especially right there's just kind of like holding back like well let's just wait and see and let's just sure. we just like everything as it is um and so i think I think that kind of, it kind of stirred the pot, but then it just simmered back down to again, like as it is, mm -hmm. right. Just kind of like, let's just keep everything how it, how it was. So anything that disturbs the force a little bit, maybe, maybe it's short lived because of, of those things. Um, but I will say, um, I think, I do think unity is possible. I'm not skeptical, skeptical enough to say 
um, that this movie couldn't bring about uh, another deep, deep look at unity. My big thing, my final thing I'll leave you, leave you with on, on that front. And mm -hmm. I really thought about this deeply, but at one time in America, there were two Jesus cultures um, and both Jesus cultures went to church. They read their Bible. Mm -hmm. They educated their children in the word of God. And one of those cultures had slaves and mm -hmm. they used the Bible to keep their slaves down, to keep them in line, to teach them that they were actually anointed by God to be their slaves. But then there's this other Jesus culture that were the abolitionists that were like, well, what we read from the Bible is slavery is wrong. We're going to do everything we can even put our lives in peril to like stop the slavery. So, mm -hmm. so like I do, I like, I hear the atheists and I get all that. And the, you know, and then I do hear stuff on the far right um, of Christianity too, you know, that there's, there's traditional family values and stuff. So, I mean, I guess I'm in, the, I'm definitely in the center I don't drink the Kool-Aid on either side of the spectrum, but I would tell everyone it's important to decide what kind of culture you're going to build around Jesus, because you mm -hmm. can build whatever freaking culture around him you want. And there's been some great culture, I think, built around him and some terrible culture. And like you said, those cultures seem to move in ebbs and flows and there, mm -hmm. there are hegemonic shifts in our culture and paradigm shifts that occur. And so a lot of these things don't seem to stick. Mm -hmm. But I will say when you look at, the Christian slaveholders, which let's be honest, they were, you know, oh, yeah. but then you have the abolitionists. So I guess for me, even with this movie, what kind of culture are we going to try to build around Jesus going forward and who mm -hmm. he was and like asking ourselves who Jesus really was. And like, um, because I guess to the slave owners, they thought Jesus wanted them to have slaves, <laughs> you know, but sure. to the abolitionists, they were like, no way, man. Jesus would never condone this. We got to do everything we can to stop this, even if we get killed doing it, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, man, I, I, I think that's the question we should be asking. So I just feel like in, a, in our movie for a brief moment in time, there was this beautiful coming together and this unification of these two very awkward tribes that mm -hmm. really didn't have any business like interacting in the same building and mm -hmm. yet they the way to do it. Um, I don't, again, I don't disagree that, that it could be short lived, but I guess the bigger question to be asking is, is there a beautiful culture that could be constructed around mm -hmm. the things that Jesus stood for in his life? And I, I think the answer is yes. Fair enough. Okay. <clears throat> so two more questions. I mean, one of them you kind of answered already, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you leave it with that at the last question. But second one is, is so I'm trying to figure out how best to phrase this question. But, you know, I find that in a lot of Christian um, Christian films, uh, there is uh, and I, I'm not as much of a critic of Christian films as some other people are. I don't bang that drum as often. Um, okay. But I um, uh, but I do find if I if I have one kind of big, con fairly consistent criticism of, of Christian films, it is there is a certain level of dishonesty um, in them about what life is like in certain ways. Um, uh, how messy and ugly it can be. And I liked one aspect of this film that, again, my favorite part of it was the scene where, you know, Chuck Smith and, and Lonnie Frisbee are yelling at each other and having their, their breaking apart. Um, I thought that was an incredibly honest uh, moment of conflict that I've actually seen occur, you know, and I've had arguments that are similar to that uh, with, with, with people. And so I, I thought it was, and of course, you know, it's two great actors doing that. I thought it was brilliant. Um, so I, the fact that it's more willing to do that other places, but I mean, as an example, you know, one of the big, of course, you know, obvious omissions is that, um, you know, Lonnie, Lonnie Frisbee died of AIDS. You know, you, you say at the end that he died and you serve er, suspiciously early, but he died of AIDS and he died of AIDS because he was continuing off and on to be a practicing gay man while after he was, you know, uh, a Christian and, you know, which, you know, brings up different questions. You can have different points of view on that. One is that, well, there's nothing really wrong with being, you know, gay and which fair enough. Um, he didn't espouse that, you know, when, when he was alive. Uh, um, but um, the other is, well, you know, is um, does that mean that he, you know, was not really saved? You know, if he still continued to struggle with that. And the other is, well, you know, and and so maybe there's something wrong with the movement if it if it didn't save him in that way. Or maybe, you know, you can continue to struggle with things that are still sin, you know, uh, during your life and it doesn't all completely get fixed. 
Um, and that is a sort of a thing that happens in Christian films is they tend to do the, okay, you've been saved, you've been converted, and you're fixed. And even in this movie, I do see like the moments that are conflict tend to be overcome fairly quickly and spends a lot more time on the the high than it does on the individual moments of conflict, which is why it like, keeps being a new conflict that comes up. And there is that kind of aspect of, of you know, I, I don't, I don't kind of like the putting everything under prosperity gospel preaching because I think that that kind of flattens everything. But there's a sense in which you have you get saved and you're not going to really fall afterwards. Maybe you'll have a some pride issues like Lonnie um, uh, does, um, but it's 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 never going to be something that um, uh, truly uh, um, discrediting of of the discrediting of the gospel. And I guess. <clears throat> I guess my 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 one of my literal questions is, was there a reason to, you know, leave out um, Lonnie's, um, you know, homosexuality and struggles with that um, in the movie? Was there a discussion about that? And was why was that decision made? And do you feel like that falls into the dishonesty trap of leave, you know, lying by omission for all of those reasons? Um and in general, do you feel like there is pressure to kind of make things rosier than they are in uh, when you've worked on projects like this or Christian film, not from from the audience primarily, I'm sort of talking about. Um, I don't know how much you uh, feel like you can say on that or if you want to push back on sort of my characterization of it. But what would you say about that? Oh, yeah, no, there was a ton of conversation about this. Mainly, I, I on my side of it, um, I'm the, I'm definitely more of the centrist of the group for sure. sure. <laughs> sure yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess I do have to be careful how I answer all this. Cause, um, I, I have, uh, I, I'm, I hope this doesn't sound like bragging or, or condescending, but you I can just brag. Have, it's fine. I, well, I just have more of a generous faith. I mean, uh, hmm. like I think, um, God's lover, if there is a God and this God is a pure being of love, which, you know, is what the Bible says, um, that love is bigger than anything we can comprehend. So mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff kind of falls by the wayside and it and becomes moot to me as a personal, you know, as a soul having a whatever this human yeah. experience is. Now, to get to your, to get to your answers, um, yeah, we wanted as many people as possible to find this movie hmm. um and we didn't want people to trip over it so like where we landed was okay we're looking at these two years of his life and during these two years of his life yeah. he's newly married hmm. but he's already fallen into like a really turbulent relationship with his wife and you know quite frankly within you know as the movie closes you know he and his wife are divorced within a year hmm. of, of movie so we did omit some things like i uh, you know we could have put uh, Bonnie and Connie got a divorce in nine months after they went to Florida. Sure. And, uh, like there was a lot of stuff we left out, but what we ended up trying to do was focus on more of the positivity that happened in the two years of his life. Mm -hmm. uh, everything that you threw out that he struggled with uh, is true. Um, he disavowed the homosexual lifestyle. I have to leave that with him. I don't know him. I never got a chance to speak with him. And so I think what we, we tried actually it's counterpoint to your criticism. What we tried to do was be honest within that two year time period mm -hmm. and leave the rest out to the people to find on Wikipedia. And there's some crazy arguments going on. Um, I, I personally believe that, you know, to your point, I think one of the most dishonest things that Christian uh, filmmakers do is like you were saying that, you know, you have some sort of evangelical experience and then your life is like pixie dust and roses and unicorn right. and you're never really going to struggle again or you're or if you do, you're not saved or whatever. Um, those are not that's not my persuasion. Those are right. not my belief. And as a matter of fact, it's not biblical, because if you yeah. do espouse, uh, if you do espouse views, uh, you know, a uh, belief in the Bible, well, then you're heroes of faith. Yeah. that you look up to and preach about all the time, actually read their entire stories because they are nuts. They're yes. nuts, yeah. very messed up people. And so I um, actually really appreciate, appreciate about John Irwin. Like John Irwin's main theme was um, that God uses broken and flawed people mm. to uh, do great things in the world and bring about 
loving, um, loving events in the world. And so, so yeah, man, we just, we tried to be honest to Lonnie's life and how he was living in those two years. Mm -hmm. Um, but everything you said about him is right. Um, but the truth of the matter is we don't really know, um, only than his own words, only than in his own words. And he wrote some biographies, but like, he never, he never, uh, said in his own words that, uh, homosexuality was okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that kind of thing. And so it's, it's a wrestle, it's a struggle because he yeah. was complicated in his right. relationship with same sex attraction and stuff like that. He had a really complicated, uh, way that he talked about it and that he operated and it wasn't just same sex attraction with him. Um, you know, he, he was hard to lead and uh, he partied yeah. a lot. Like yeah. you go out on, <laughs> you go out on rangers and like show up the next morning and preach. And, you know, if you're like, uh, I don't know, man, you know, so, um, so yeah, I mean, if, if you look, if you take an honest, deep, brutal look at his life, he had, a, he had some moral problems, I guess, at least mm -hmm. you would say inside of our culture, they were definitely sure. moral problems. Um, but Chuck was a workaholic. Uh, yeah. mm -hmm. Chuck, Chuck harmed his family uh, mm -hmm. at times by spending way too much time in the ministry instead mm -hmm. of with, the, which is the key, like core wound that, you know, pastors, kids yeah. get dealt. They're, they're, um, the church becomes the pastor's like full-time family in a way, it seems for a lot of guys, you know, for a lot. I, for, of, for I, for, a lot of I forget who said it. There was some, um, woman who was married to a famous theologian preacher and i forget which one so i'm sure somebody out there who's watching this listening to this will know and and correct me but um but and she she was married to him and then he died and she married again and she said sort of of the two of them you know my first husband loved god and my second husband loved me you know and so wow. there is and so that's that's that so just to say is that is a real wound that does happen to yeah. i didn't feel that personally in in that way that many other people do but like definitely but yeah but uh yeah. which which may be why i'm still a christian you know it's but my, my dad uh yeah my dad made time for me and you know went to my ball games and he was very balanced human being but you do hear that story yes like you hear that story a lot time. yeah yeah so for me and I've had, I've had a lot of people say this and I do appreciate it. And, um, I, I would encourage you to go like on the Jesus Rev Facebook site, because like, you know, some people will be like, well, Lonnie was gay, but a lot of people are like, yeah, well, dude, what's going on in your life? Do you want to tell us like some of your struggles? It's like, people are, yeah, people are understanding, like we all struggle, but it seems to me like culturally we put weighted scores on. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that guy's a, that guy's now alcoholic. Oh yeah. Well, my neighbor like smokes crack. So, you know, it's like, you're trying to one up each other. Sure. On, like, no, it's, we, it's, it's we, the sin Olympics. It's the sin Olympics. Yes. Yeah. It's like, who's going to win, you know, and yeah. like right now it's obviously, you know, LGBTQ and sexuality things. And, um, which man, like, I guess again, in our culture, it's gotten so judgmental and hateful and it's easy to like maybe throw rocks at the church, but it's, it's, uh, an all encompassing problem. Yeah. It's in it's endemic to our culture, to the far left, all the way to the far right, everybody in between. Yeah. And um, so if this movie can just maybe bring just a little bit of hope and light and show, like to your point, even just for a brief moment, that that unity is possible. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I I agree and, and find your points to be well taken. Um, I think uh, the church is in decline, uh, not only for just kind of the secularization of what's mm -hmm. happening in the West. That's a big part of it. But I also think, man, there's just a huge disconnect between what kids are looking for spiritually and what mm -hmm. they, what they see like the loudest leaders of mm -hmm. the Christian church kind of screaming and, and pounding the pulpit over. And a lot of those are, are political constructs. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, when I read the Bible, it was crazy, man, but Jesus like took great pains to stay out of politics mm -hmm. and, quite frankly, he was living in an occupied country that was highly oppressed. <laughs> and instead of like, we're going to kick the Roman, he was like, Hey man, if that Roman comes up to you, I know that's law. And he says, you got to walk a mile. Just go ahead and walk an extra mile. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, let's kill him with kindness, man. Like yeah. you, you got to love your enemies. And so like, I feel like he threw down an impossible gauntlet. Like for mm -hmm. me, I love how Buddhists say we practice our religion. We practice meditation. Like to me, I really feel like I wish there was a lot more of that in Christianity mm -hmm. because when I think of Jesus, like, I'm practicing more towards how yeah. he lived. We showed us to live. And like, there's no way I'm even going to get close. 
Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe I've done 30%. I'm about to be 50. I feel like I'm like 30% of the way there. So I'm running out of time. You know, I'm on the back nine, uh, <laughs> nine holes of golf. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but I feel like he left us a wonderful example. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, trying to live up to more of the example and the pattern that he, that he left for us. Um, but yeah, man, all, all those points well taken. Um, oh, and, and well, and I well responded like, um, to, huh? Oh, and, well, uh, well, and, and well responded to, yeah. Well, you know, filmmaking is crazy too because you know you do have to entertain, and I do think you, I do think you compromise and like leave some things out uh, to to make it a good piece of entertainment. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and and uh, as far as the Christian faith film genre goes, I am proud of leaving at leaving in some of the rawness, and it's yeah. it's it's not all tied up with a bow. And, and some people have found me after screens like, man, I'm just bummed that they all split up. But I mean, that's real life, dude. That's real yeah. life. I got a DM from, uh, one of my crew today and I didn't even know it, but like in one of the departments, there was a huge falling out and like that department doesn't even work together anymore. Mm -hmm. They all went their separate ways and it, it hurt my heart. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we have these, chapter endings in the, mm -hmm. in the journey that often don't end well mm -hmm. and yet the page turns over and you reboot and you start into something new and, and you remember the pain and maybe you learn some lessons from it but it's never it doesn't seem to me to be a storybook ending mm -hmm. uh oftentimes so i guess i do like I, I do like those elements in our movie that we didn't storybook ending every yeah. story, every, every, uh, every timeline. We didn't close every loop yeah. with a book. Same. Um, yeah. So mm -hmm. I, you know, we, could we have gone further? Yeah, sure. So then, then it's that, um, then you're like turning the knob of how, how, um, how wide your film will go with an sure. audience. And that thing. So no, fair right. enough. You're, no, you're right to call it out. It's fair for you to call it out, right? Like how much of it, it is, is calculated to be, entertaining and make everybody happy and like you know i do feel like maybe we made the right decision so people will be in feel energized maybe to look into their own heart mm -hmm. uh their own um church local church family on mm -hmm. on um oh, are we leaving people out are mm -hmm. we are we like a hate forward culture or are we a love mm -hmm. forward culture and uh because man you know what we need church or not, we just need more safe spaces for people. And I think it'd be really cool if the Christian church was considered to be more of a safe space for people to come like mm -hmm. be themselves and tell you what's going on. So, uh, in their life. So yeah, man. Um, yeah, I, cool. I appreciated your, I appreciated your candor on, on some of those questions. And, uh, and I think a lot of that, a lot of that does need to be explored, but it's like, um, it's like uh, in the film, We Bought a Zoo. Um, they actually, in, did you see that movie? I did not. Okay, that's real sweet. But uh, like in the real story, they got a divorce. Sure. Uh, the, the family got a divorce, but in the movie, they killed her. <laughs> in the movie, they, they gave her cancer and killed her, you know? Uh, but for the movie, it actually works better because they're grieving her loss. They're mm -hmm. grieving her death and they're trying to pick up the pieces. They, their, their family is in ashes. And so- Sometimes, you know, I mean, that sounds terrible, right? Just like, well, let's just smoke this human that's actually still alive, but let's smoke them so we can hammer harder at mm -hmm. the story mm -hmm. we're trying to tell. So rightly or wrongly, I think, you know, filmmakers make those decisions sometimes, uh, you know, to, to try to try to maybe bring, put a finer point on the one or two things that you are trying to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I think that you're, again, you're turning the lever between like an art house film Sure, six yeah. people go see and it like it's a masterpiece and it's gonna get a hundred on rotten tomatoes mm -hmm. or something that's like more mass appeal and mm -hmm. and gonna get a 76 on rotten tomatoes you know mm -hmm. so you're right to pick on this stuff for sure and it's it's obviously a real thing that you deal with when you're looking at uh mass like populist you sure. know popular filmmaking so cool well thank you so much this was a great uh a great interview i really appreciate your your candor and your time um uh yeah and um where um i guess like people can uh go see i encourage people to go see your work on imdb all the things that you've you've done and uh see um 
And uh, if people are interested in this movie, they can also see um, Jesus Revolution in theaters uh, February 24th. Anywhere else that you'd like to uh, send people? Oh, uh, if you want to scream at me on my Instagram, in all caps, you can. <laughs> it's Brent McCorkle, B-R-E-N-T-M-C-C-O-R-K-L-E. Uh, love, loving notes are welcome, too, but uh, <laughs> I love my... I love my Instagram and I love talking to people on Instagram and um, it's amazing all the, the, the kids even overseas who like want to make films and they just don't yeah. have, whether they don't have a camera and yeah, but uh, they'll reach out to me and uh, I don't know, man, it's, it's cool. I, I love Instagram. I love, you know, I love it being of course, photography based. And so, yeah, if you want to talk to me, just find me on, find me on Instagram. We'll chat. I love, I love talking to people on Instagram. So fantastic. Thanks for this interview, man. And, um, and keep keep punching out there, man. I just I just want you know, at the sake of sounding like a, a dreamy artist, which I am, but I just want more love in the world, you know. Mm -hmm. And, and um, I hope this film maybe at least starts conversations in that direction. Well, I'm not Scrooge enough to object to more love in the world. So thank you very much, <laughs> uh, very much, sir. And uh, you have a, a wonderful wonderful day. Thanks for spending some time with me, man. Take cool. care. You too.